Hello, everyone. This might be my favorite lecture of all time. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. I just really, really love talking about the elements of Ayurveda, the prana, the life force energy of the gunas, all of the taste, how to invigorate your yoga practice utilizing Ayurveda, as well as how to heal your mind and your body with the different principles of understanding your dosha, but also the dosha of the day, the dosha of the year, and the dosha of which phase you are in your life. So I hope you enjoy this lecture. If you have any feedback or you want to learn more about Ayurveda, please reach out. You can email namaste at iloveyogatherapy.org. Namaste. Enjoy. Invite us all to find ourselves in a comfortable position of choice. Whatever makes you feel best. Most importantly, if it feels good for you, I invite you to close your eyes and let's do some internal introspection. Take a moment here and just feel the earth beneath you. Feel the air around you. Feel the water flowing through you. Feel the fire inside you. Bring to mind health, vitality, strength, purification, awareness, alertness, love, connection, calmness, relaxation. Imagine that every cell of your body's complete job in life is to keep you healthy. This job is easy for the cells of your body to complete, to accomplish. There's no struggle, there's no fight. You lean into that feeling of flow, that life force energy, that prana. You accept it. You feel the true belief Deep, deep in your soul, you believe. Start to allow the inhalations to become even more intentional. Feeling the chest rise, the body lift, almost like you're floating above the earth. As you exhale, you allow yourself to get calm and relaxed, grounded, connected. And I'm going to guide you through a simple practice. I invite you to take your non-dominant hand into your dominant hand. So if you're right-handed, your left hand will come into that hand or vice versa. I want you to just feel your thumb. The thumb represents fire. Fire can represent passion, creativity, 
string. Fire can also represent anger, can represent burnout, good desire, bad desire. Bring your awareness to your index finger and just begin to rub on it, massage it as it represents air. Air reminds us to go with the flow. Also another sign of creativity, using your thoughts, thinking, wanting to be connected, travel, can also be a bit of flighty, scattered brain, disconnected. Now bring your awareness to your middle finger and begin to massage that middle finger, representing ether, space, spirituality, your belief systems, In a lot of ways, even representing thinking outside of the box, being an individual, going against the grain, nonconformist, and all that polarizes those things. Bringing your awareness to your ring finger, the earth element, grounding energy. You can massage the ring finger to ground your energy, to feel connected to the earth element. It's also a beautiful reminder that you can nourish yourself with your intentions, with your love, with your support. Mm -hmm. This is also where boredom can come in feeling stagnant, stubborn, non-moving. Bringing our awareness to our pinky finger, little finger, representing water. Again, that feeling of going with the flow, but in a different way than air, more of an emotional space. Connecting to the heart compassion, letting go, being free, connecting with your divine feminine. Also can bring up depression and sadness, feeling lost and insecure. And now we're going to interlace our fingers together. We're going to hold our own hands together. Go ahead and take your hands overhead and flip the palms up so that you can get a nice stretch through your fingers. Maybe stretching through the spine from root to rise, from top down, bottom up. Take up space and slowly draw your hands down by your side. Tuck your chin into your chest. Bring your hands atop of your shoulders. Give yourself a neck massage. Shoulders, neck, earlobe, third eye. Wherever the fingertips intuitively go, let them be there. Yes. 
Today we're going to discuss Ayurveda, the mother of medicine, with yoga being the sister of Ayurveda. Yeah. So I'm going to invite you to keep massaging your body. Let your fingers intuitively guide you, utilizing all of the elements as we start this chat. In Sanskrit, Ayur or Ayus means life. Veda, Vida, knowledge or science, right? The life of science, the life of knowledge, Ayurveda. It's really a proactive medicinal approach, right? It's a holistic approach. There's so much wisdom in it, originating through East Asia. Sort of, you know, parallel to Chinese medicine in a lot of ways, just a lot of herbal remedies and the connection to the elements, the connection to the seasons trying to be proactive as a self-practice approach. That's the idea. Now, there's a lot about Ayurveda that we're not going to cover in today's session, right? <laughs> and that's okay, but we're going to talk about a few things that we can utilize on our healing journey. So I'm going to have us do a few things as we talk about this stuff. Now, rather you took your doshik quiz or you kind of have a general idea of where you're at, I'm going to give you some tips and tricks just to kind of place yourself. You can close your eyes, you can undulate, you can move your body around, you can take dristi, you can go into a turtle shell, you can lie down, it doesn't matter. But I want you to think about when you were a kid, just what image comes to your mind immediately? Were you one of those kids that liked to run around? Were you chatty, chatty? Were you high energy? Were you one of those kids that liked to cuddle and just relax and chill vibes, hang with the dog, hang with the cat? Did you consider yourself to have a good appetite? Were you a super picky eater? Did you pick up things really fast? Or did it take you a while to learn a new concept? No judgment, just sort of checking in with your memories of being a child. We want to connect a dosha, a constitution, to that place in our lives. When we think of the doshas or the constitution, same thing, right? We want to think about them in three categories. And if you're familiar with this, you've heard it. In Sanskrit, vata, pitta, kapha. But if we connect the elements to these thoughts, vata is the air and ether element. We have pitta, and I like to think of it like fire pit, right? Fire with a little bit of water. Kapha, water with some earth. So right away, we know that vata has no water, no earth, no fire. And then we have pitta, which has no air, no earth, and kapha that has no air, no fire. So before we talk about like Ayurveda, the way that, that it's sort of like out there in, in the ether of our minds, I want us to just talk about the elements, because elements are really fun to play with when you really think about it, right? So 
when you think of ether, I always think of ether as like, it's just, well, it's just outer space. It's just things floating around. It's like you can't capture it. It's just there, you know, it's everywhere. And then when you think of air, you might think of wind, right? Immediately start to think of like that feeling of wind, a breeze. So I want us to think about the weather. So imagine just a nice, chill, cool breeze, right? That feels good. It's nice, it's perfect, there's no big deal. But imagine that breeze turns into a tornado, turns into much more than just a nice, chill, calm flow of breeze. It's a storm brewing. So when you think of the elements, there's always this polarizing part of it. There's the sort of the spectrum. We, we're just for sake of the lecture, there's good and there's bad, okay? But not really true. And then I want you to think about fire element, right? Fire, when done appropriately, heats our food, keeps us warm, is nice and gentle. But when there's too much, it can burn, it can cause destruction, it can take out everything. And then when we think of water, water, same thing. Water can create nurture, it's what we need to survive. No one can survive without water, no species, right? Water can just provide a little bit of nourishment to the earth, can create, you know, sprouting of seeds, or it can flood and it can completely wipe out and create disaster as well. And then we have the earth element. And the earth is just solid, right? It just feels very grounding and solid, but without the water, it can be too dry, or with too much fire, it can burn, or with too much wind, it can cause like a dust storm, or too much water, it can be too muddy. So if you kind of think about the elements like that, then you can start to connect that back to the doshas, and it will make a little bit more sense intuitively, okay? So as you think of yourself as a child, now take yourself through to adolescence, like maybe like the teenage years, like, how did you flow from what do you think maybe your dosha might have been as a kid to as a teenager? And just down to, like, we think of the constitutions, we always come to think of, like, how we present physically. But it's how you think, it's how you pick up things, it's where your mind, your creativity, you know, did it take more to get you activated? So don't hold on to too many thoughts, just let them come and go. And then you have maybe like your early adulthood to your present time, right? And the idea is that as we begin to transition through life, our doshas transition as well. So you might only be thinking about where you're at today. You might see yourself as being really athletic or you're, you know, this bossy person at work or, you know, you're like super creative, but really, what has it looked like throughout your life? And what you want to do is you want to retain sort of that child within you and kind of sandwich it in with the place you're at now. And that's where you're going to find probably where your sweet spot is. And remembering that Ayurveda is a proactive medicinal approach to wellness and health. Right? It's not just like this fun game to determine like, oh, I'm kapha, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we prevent ourselves from getting disease? 
And in the Ayurvedic tradition, the idea is that you are aligning yourself with everything, the environment, your emotions, your connections, your, you know, you are trying to create opposition in a way that makes sense. So we're kind of thinking about, I'm, I'm going to take us all into a yoga pose so we can identify the feeling of this thought. So let's come into warrior two. Okay. I don't care what variation that you take. If you want to get really super into it or you just want to kind of, you know, dial it out a little bit, but take a moment, do what you do to get into your warrior, whatever makes you feel best about it. Just make sure you line your body up, you feel really good. And then once you find your warrior, I want you to lean forward and feel like you're being pulled in one direction. And then you keep pulling, you keep pulling, you keep pulling, and I want you to hold it. I want you to feel the imbalance based on what you know warrior two to be. You probably don't feel really good here. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel how it's supposed to feel. You can feel a lot of pressure in one side of your body, less pressure in the other side. Now press through the front foot and slowly take it back nice and gentle and keep going, keep going, keep going until you feel really out of sorts. And then hold it. And then see if you can slowly bring yourself to a balanced state. Reconnect with your body, do what you need to do to get back balance. Find your balanced state, fill your body weight and both feet, right? Feel both feet pressing into the earth, feel the edge of the back of your foot pressing into your mat. Feel your front toes, feel everything. Spread your fingers or glue them together, whatever you like. And just feel this balancing. This is how you should feel when you're living your life. You should feel balanced, but you should know what it feels like when you're out of balance and all you need to do is bring yourself back, right? So let's go ahead and lengthen that front leg. Let's helicopter down. Go ahead and find a down dog and pedal it up for just a moment. We're gonna take it on the other side. But we're gonna take it gentle. Walk your toes to meet your hands. Slowly roll up. Take your time to arrive. Use your breath as you inhale up and exhale into a mountain pose variation. Yes, take your time. And when you're ready, set yourself up. You know what to do. Just find your warrior on the other side. Take your time. Make sure you feel the most balanced that you can. You're not rushing. Everything is lining up. All the energies are connecting. You can feel your feet planting into the earth. Yeah. We're going to take this one separately. We're going to start reaching backward instead of forward. Just feel yourself getting out of alignment. Start to feel how uncomfortable it feels compared to what you think you should feel like. You know the difference because you know what it feels like to be balanced and warrior. Now take it forward. Maybe noticing how this feels. Keep going until it feels uncomfortable. Right? Because the nervous system is memorizing what we're doing. So it's actually going to feel a little bit better than it did the first time. Press through your front foot. Reconnect with your body. Lengthen and refine your warrior two. Take your time arriving. See if you can settle back into it. Nice and gentle. Do whatever you like to do in your warrior. You can sink. You can stay lifted. Whatever makes sense. Take a moment 
notice how you feel. Drop your shoulders, release your jaw. Yeah, it feels powerful. It feels like it's requiring a lot of you. Yet, here you are. Lengthen your front leg. And then we're going to helicopter down. Take your time. Let the legs do whatever they need to. Find your down dog. Pedal it out. And when you're ready, you'll walk your toes to meet your hands. Slowly roll up. Inhale, lengthen. You can take a gentle heart opener if that feels good. And then find a nice mountain pose, variation of choice, Tadasana, when you're ready. Hang out here for just a moment. Take Dristi or close the eyes, soften the gaze. Take a moment. I want you to think about Ayurveda in this way. The best thing we can do for our bodies is to know what it feels like to be balanced. But you have to be a scientist of your own life, right? This is a proactive approach. There's no one else who can tell you what's best for you. You have to investigate. Once you know how you're supposed to feel, it's going to be really easy for you to feel what you're not supposed to be feeling and then try to figure your way back. So just like you're in Tadasana, mountain pose, you've chosen the variation of your choice. You're nice and strong. You feel grounded. You feel rooted. You feel connected. You know what this feeling feels like. Now go ahead and lean some weight into your left side. Kind of create an imbalance on one side of your body in mountain pose. Yes. And then slowly press and rise and then lean to the other side and find the imbalance over there. Really look for the imbalance, right? And then slowly bring yourself back to center and reconnect your body. Do whatever you need to do to lengthen, stretch, and find Tadasana one more time. Nice and balanced. Yeah, wonderful. And I will invite you to do whatever you need to do to take a flow and find yourself back to a seated posture of choice. You could take a vinyasa. You could do whatever you want to get there. Your body, your choice. Yeah, take your time. I'm going to keep chatting with you all. So according to Ayurveda... Disease begins in the mind, and then it manifests, right? So we've been talking about somatic healing this entire time, kind of getting the body to basically learn and adapt and heal itself. But that's just like one little piece of the pie. Now we're starting to create this nice, big and we want to know where all the slices are. We don't want any surprises unless it's like fun wedding surprises, right? <laughs> but um, in all honesty, the idea is that we are so dialed in. It doesn't mean that we have everything perfect. We, we are so dialed in, though, that we understand when we don't have everything perfect. And surprisingly, the way that 
the wisdom of Ayurveda or the Ayurvedic wisdom suggests that it's the knowing that is a part of the healing. It's the unknowing that is actually the part that we don't have any connection to. So the idea is that the fact that we even understand that we're out of balance gives us the opportunity to make that change. And the fact that our brain can even conceptualize that is keeping us from manifesting further into the realms of disease. Now there's like these, um, when you get really deep into the study of Ayurveda, there's like these layers, right? And so the idea is sort of like, first you, you have awareness, and then there's the next layer, and then there's the next layer, and then there's, you know, it keeps going, keeps going, keeps building. And then if you are skipping through, then all of a sudden it's like, poof, you know, um, there's psychic disturbances, there's physical disease, there's all these things that are manifesting and, and they're not supporting our wellness. But the idea is that, okay, well, let's just slow it down. Let's try to recreate this lifestyle that we really want and how do we do that so that we are i guess setting up like rolling out the red carpet for our own body mind spirit connection okay i hope that all makes sense it's a little esoteric but so are you familiar with the gunas have you heard of the gunas okay so the gunas is just it's a word that basically translates to qualities or virtues and in ayurveda there's like the gunas of lots of different things but one of them we're going to talk about is the gunas of taste okay and there's uh six tastes and the idea is depending on your dosha which we'll we'll circle back around to i don't like to focus wholeheartedly on doshas in ayurveda because people really get focused on like I'm Vata and you know, I'm this. And it's like, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's true. But if you look at it, like um, if you go through all the elements and you start to learn about the gunas of taste and then you learn about the doshas of like the seasons and the day, then you're gonna kind of see how you're building this cold pie by hopefully by the end of our little chat today. All right. So I want you to, I'm going to name a guna, and then I just want you to think of something um, literal that comes to mind. It's probably going to be a food, okay? All right, think of something that tastes sweet, whatever comes to mind. Think of something that tastes sour. Think of something that tastes salty. Pungent, bitter, astringent. Did anyone have any tough times thinking of a food? Maybe like a vinegar? Does that help? Okay. So I'm going to rename them and I want you to just shout out a food. Okay? They're not going to be in order, by the way. Something sour. A lime? Give candy. me some candy? Yeah, sour candy. Sour candy. Oh, and is anyone getting that feeling in their in their uh, cheeks right now? Okay. How about something pungent? Cheese, like um, blue cheese? Ooh, blue cheese, that's good. I was thinking 
broccoli. Okay. I like that. That was hard for me to think of. Broccoli's good. I'm good with broccoli. I can smell the pungent smell of broccoli. How about bitter? Kale. Oh, that's a good one. Anything else coming to mind? Anything else bitter? Dark chocolate. Oh, okay. Like a dark chocolate. I like it. Okay, how about sweet? Honey. Nice. Strawberries. <laughs> and then how about salty? Wait, what did you say? Peanuts? Okay, I thought, <laughs> actually what I thought I heard was wheat thins, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, that's very specific, <laughs> and then other than vinegar, anybody else think of something astringent? That's a hard one, right? Maybe like um, anything pickled? That could also be bitter too, right? Also salty. I want you to think about it like this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so now we have some thoughts in our mind. So no matter what your dosha is, if you can try to blend all of these tastes into your day, this is the idea, right? This is like the ideal situation for your gut health. It's like, how do I have something sweet? How do I have something sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent, right? So let's just, let's just walk ourselves through this for fun, just so we can kind of put something in our subconscious. So let's say we wake up in the morning. I know Julie and I were talking about this recently. We wake up in the morning and we have a little apple cider vinegar mixed with some water, right? So we can kind of get that little astringent, bitter, maybe even pungent feeling out of the way, right? And then maybe you start yourself off with a little honey tea, right? A little tea and honey vibes. So now you have like that little sweetness. Also can still have a little bit of bitterness or pungentness if you like in there, right? And then maybe you have whatever your choice of breakfast is or maybe it's like a breakfast lunch variation, which we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. And that's going to be easy. Then you can add in something sour, something salty, something sweet, right? You can do that on a salad, on a sandwich, really easy. And then as you start to dial down your evening, now it's just kind of leaning into what maybe you intuitively want, right? But now, since you fed your cells, the idea is that you fed your cells everything that like they're looking for, like all the elements. So there's no leaning over into one thing over the other. Okay. Now I know we're talking about food and it's, and it's really simplistic the way that we're doing this, but I want you to think about this conversation like we are not seeing the roots beneath the earth's surface. Like everything we're talking about is actually deeper, deeper, deeper because one of the things we know about yoga philosophy is it's, it's well, well intentioned, right? It's not just this like, oh, okay, calories in, calories out, this I'm going to eat something sweet to make me feel happy, although there is something to be said about that, okay? So, all right, so I want us to think about this from a kid's perspective, okay? So when a kid is upset, 
what do we do? We offer them something sweet, right? Would you like, well, I mean, you know, depends on <laughs> how generous you're being, but, <laughs> but let's just say we're babysitting someone else's unhappy child. Yeah. We're going to give them something sweet, right? We're going we're gonna to nip this in the bud. Um, so a good way to offer someone something celebratory, right, is a cake, piece of pie, some ice cream. We celebrate by utilizing sweetness. So we do inherently understand that this is a mood changer, right? We also understand that overindulgence also can spike us. But just that sweet, that, just that little tiny bit is just enough usually, right? Now here's the challenge. The challenge is how do we balance ourselves utilizing the gunas of taste? Well, the idea is that in Ayurveda, there is, let me back it up. We've all heard of prana, life force energy. We think of prana, we think of breath because we think of pratyama practice. But prana is life force energy of anything. So if you think about the life force energy of food or the life force energy of environment, then you can start to think about it from a vitality perspective, not just from breathing in, breathing out, although that's great, right? Okay, so like attracts like, like creates like, but opposites balance. So I want us to take our hands up above head and draw our hands to heart center in prayer mudra, prayer hands, okay? Now I want us to separate our hands, okay? Left hand representing whatever, right hand representing whatever, doesn't matter. When they come together, they join forces. When they come apart, they separate, right? When they join together, they connect. When they come apart, they disconnect. So this is all obvious, right? But I want you to think about life this way, as far as like what you do to balance yourself. You have to connect things back together. It's okay when things are apart, but it's even better when things are together. So one of the things we've learned throughout this course is we've learned we can't just focus all in the mind and we can't just focus all in the body. We have to bring those two parts, those two halves together. Opposites can create balance, but we tend to want more of what we already want, right? So go ahead and release your hands, relax your body, relax your thoughts. Just release all of everything we were just talking about, okay? And now I want you to think about the seasons. So we thought about the elements. Now we're gonna bring those elements into the seasons, into the doshas. All right, so based off of the elements connecting back to the doshas, what season do you think summer's dosha is collectively? Yeah. Right, pitta, right, fire. So. We're gonna go through all the seasons and then I'm gonna bring it back. And then autumn, vata, right? And then winter, winter's two doshas, 
kapha, and so it's mm -hmm, vata leading into kapha, and then spring is. Yep. So kapha pitta. So mostly kapha as it starts to heat up, right? And then pitta is really just the fire pit. Okay. So now you have your mind wrapped around the seasons. So now bring your ideas back to your own personal constitution. Now you probably have a primary constitution and then you have a supporting constitution. Some people are uh, dual doshic and some people are tri-doshic, but most of us have one that dominates, right? Now let's just say for sake of thinking too hard, <laughs> let's just say we're all kapha, okay? But we're in pitta right now. We're in the season of pitta. So now you have to decide when you're in that season, based on your dosha, how you are vibing with that season. So some people, for instance, if you are kapha, you might feel, you know, a little bit more like you go, you, you, you have this gentleness about you, this earthiness about you, right? You have this um, groundedness. This can also be, some people say this can also lead into like a little bit of laziness, right? But I think of it more like um, it's that winter vibe. No, so now imagine that energy in the middle of Pitta where it's like fire, passion, go, go, go. Everybody's moving fast. And you're just kind of like, you've got this whole, you know, I don't know, this, this cool, chill, downhill skiing vibe, right? There's going to be some contradictions there just inherently, regardless of how connected you are to your dosha, how much you're paying attention to it. Same thing with each element of the seasons and wherever you land. So the idea is to think about if you're Vata and you're in the middle of the autumn season and you're also eating very Vata food, right? Very salty food, very airy, light food, potato chips, on the go, on the run, not taking time to sit like a Kapha person is going to take time to sit and eat a balanced meal and relax and chew their food probably. Like this is stereotypical, right? Whereas a vata person might be like scarfing food down, eating whatever's quick and fast, you know, some crackers here, some chips, very drying food. So then you can start to imagine like this person's gonna burn out a little bit quicker than the kapha person in the vata season. Whereas in the kapha season, deep, deep, deep in the winter, if we don't get that kapha person up and moving, they're just gonna really hibernate like a bear, right? So you kind of can see how this can flow. Okay, keep that mindset. Now I'm gonna take you through a transition of life because not only do we have our personal constitution, we have the seasonal doshas, we also have life energetic doshas, okay? And I wanna make sure I get this right. So when we're going through our childhood, that is just kapha time. Regardless of your dosha as a child, when we're all children, we're all in kapha, okay? So we're all in that cuddly phase, I guess is what I like to think of it as. And then midlife is pitta, right? So think about it like, I don't know, I'm just gonna make up midlife timing. So 
25 years old to 55 years old, let's just say. This is when you're probably going to be using all your brain power. You're going to be trying to accomplish things, get things done, build things, start things, get things going, you know, get things smooth sailing. Like you've got all this energy. You've got to, got to get things done. And then later in life is that Vata energy, right? It's sort of like you might have this retirement creativity vibes, but you also have like this brittly vibe, right? Kind of like the body's sort of not slowing down like Kapha slowing down, but slowing down like Vata slowing down, right? If that makes sense. All right, we're going to we're going to wrap this up with an idea of how each of the doshas lay out after we talk about the doshic time of the day. So I'm hoping I know and this is a lot because there's like it's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. But it'll make sense here in a moment. All right, so I want you to either close your eyes or get introspective, all right? I want you to think of 5 a.m. in the morning. This is vata time. Some of us are asleep, okay? This is before sunrise. Some of us are waking up and doing morning meditation. Ooh, ideal, right? It's 5 a.m., you wake up before the sun, you meditate, you breathe, you have some warm lemon water, some tea or whatever you feel creative you start to outline your novel you're writing music you're doing a little yoga flow i mean this is like everyone's dream life right everyone is super wide awake between 5 and 6 a.m and they have nowhere to be but in the moment okay this is you you're doing it the sun starts to rise. It's around 6 a.m. We're entering into kapha time. Oh, it's time to hug your loved ones. It's time to nourish your body. You put some oil on your skin. Maybe you take a warm bath. Maybe you take a cold shower. Whatever feels good for you. You start to put a little food in your belly. You're just enjoying being in your skin. You're not thinking too hard. You're not trying to make anything happen. You're literally living in the moment. This is what Kapha does best. And then between 6 a.m. and about 10 a.m., you're in Kapha, Kapha time. So you're moving slow. You're letting the engine rev up. You're taking your time. You're settling into your work. This isn't a time to do anything too strenuous. Your digestive system is moving nice and slow. You don't want to overwhelm it with a huge, huge meal. You just want to feed it a little bit, a lot of liquids. You know, you want to maybe take a little walk, stop and smell the roses. If you're at work, if you're already settling into your morning, you want it to be nice and calm. You want slow meetings, you want gentle conversations, you want light reading, you want nice and just moving the body, moving the mind at a nice steady pace. Imagine you're just walking up a mountain like you're hiking up at a steady, slow, gentle pace from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then 10 a.m. hits and this is pitta time. 
between 10 a.m. and about 1.30 p.m. to 2 p.m., this is where you get it done. This is where you have a huge meal of your day, your digestive fires are burning. This is where you might wanna get in like a nice powerful workout, or you wanna go and you wanna give that lecture, that speech, you wanna host a meeting, you wanna come up with some vibrant tasks, you wanna boss people around, you, know? you wanna get things done. This is where all your energy is. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., this is where you probably have the most energy in your day. And then at about 2 p.m., we enter into Vata time again, that same 5 a.m. time. So maybe you weren't up at 5 a.m. and you wanna recreate it here. This is a good time. This is going to a little meditation. This is after lunch. Maybe go on a little gentle walk, go hug a tree, do some prana, maybe journal, maybe do something creative, start writing on that novel again. This is a good time to start planning your next day at work. You know, maybe going over your tasks. What did you get done? What do you need to do tomorrow? Just nice and chill. Just think of it as a nice creative time. Maybe you have a lot of thoughts moving through the mind. That's okay. You want to welcome your thoughts at 5 a.m. You want to welcome your thoughts at 2 p.m. This time is going to last from 2 to 6. So from 2 p.m. for the rest of your afternoon, you're dialing it down. You're walking down that hill, right? Nice, cool breeze, nice and gentle, ideally, you know? And then you're gonna enter back into Kapha time. Remember we were there at 6 a.m.? Now we're back there at 6 p.m., okay? We're back to like relaxing the mind, the body, the spirit. This is where you're gonna wanna just do something restorative. Let your body start chilling out, right? You're not going to eat your biggest meal. You already did that. The digestive tract is really like lowering here. It's preparing the body for rest. And ideally, we go to bed by 10 p.m. Otherwise, we enter into pitta time again. And this is where people get their second wind. <laughs> this is where the night owls percolate. Okay, and when you enter into pitta time again, well, you're gonna be on a different cycle. You're gonna be back ready, powerful, energetic, ready to go. Now this is okay if this is a part of your regular daily life, if, this is, if you live in this pitta vibe. I want you to remember something here. We entered into vata time at 5 a.m. Some people never ever are in vata time at 5 a.m. They're asleep. So you might wake up between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. waking up in kapha, right? So you might wake up a little sluggish, a little bit like just feeling like cozy or wanting to be cozy, right? And then you might enter into pitta time and then start to dial it back down into kapha. And if you don't go to bed, you're in pitta again. So just depending on your own cycle depends on how this works for you. But ideally, if we're at our optimal, and Ayurvedic practices, we all wake up in vata before kapha. The idea is that if you wake up in kapha time, you're basically introducing your body, like the sun's already risen, and then here you come. So you're not like up with the birds, right? You are already waking up tired is sort of the idea. You're waking up already like 
It's like waking up from yoga nidra or waking up from a massage. Like you're still halfway asleep still. So even just setting your alarm 10 minutes before kapha time and getting out of bed and maybe going upside down or just stretching the spine while in vata might start to activate the creativity and the wind and the ether in the mind. And then as you ease into kapha time, you won't feel so um, needing to find like finding like. Okay, so now that you kind of are like, oh, okay, I think I get this. Now we're gonna talk about like, like and like, remember the hands we were just doing versus opposites healing, right? We tend to want what we already are and what we already are doing. So like likes like. So if you're Vata, you probably already, you, you are gonna keep wanting more of that. If you're Pitta, you want more of that. If you're Kapha, you want more of that. The downside to that, according to Ayurvedic principles, is that we're not healing ourselves with the opposite effect. So in yoga, we're always trying to find that balance, right? We don't wanna be too far over here or too far over here. But our human nature is to go for what makes most intuitive sense. But what makes most intuitive sense until you find your true balance is usually something that is a little bit destructive, okay? So if you are a vata type person, you're a fast thinker, you love, you know, talking, 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 moving, moving, moving. You want to travel more. You want to go, go, go. You probably never take time to relax, rest, chill. You probably are always eating on the go. Well, you can see how that's going to eventually not be good for your body. If you're pitta, you, you know, you have this passion. You, you push through things. You go, go, go. You want to do more. You want to take on more. You want to say yes more. You want to boss around more yourself and other people you know you want to um kind of create this energy right you can see how that can eventually be too much if you're kapha and you're like sort of just going nice and chill and then you know no one can really light a fire under you and you you kind of want to write that book but you're just never going to get to it and you're just kind of like yeah you know i'm just going to be in the here and the now you can also see how that's not healthy so the idea is how do we create a mixture of it all? Well, the best way to do it is to live through the seasons, to live through the day, to live through the times, and to complement and honor your dosha, okay? All right, so what do we need for our dosha or just in doshic times, like in the different doshic times, especially the seasons, to try to complement ourselves with our yoga practice, okay? So I want you to think about kapha energy as being similar to meditation and pratyama, restorative yoga, yin yoga, slow vinyasa flow, maybe not even a slow vinyasa flow, that's probably not even kaphic, more like a, just a slow, chill, Hangout vibes, hi. And then I want you to think about Pitta. Pitta's probably more of an actual power flow, vinyasa flow. It's going to be uh, power flows, holding planks, um, even taking it out of yoga. It's gonna be something that's more 
like bodybuilding, weightlifting, bike riding, competition, anything competitive. If there's a race to be run, that's pitta energy, right? And then vata energy is going to be that, um, it's also going to be very vinyasa flow, but a lot more balancing poses. You know, vata people love being upside down love being like in the ether and the air element you know balancing flying warrior threes all of that kind of energy right so think about your favorite yoga poses right now <laughs> or just your favorite yoga classes do you like the classes where the the whole goal is like how long can you hold your plank or does that make you want to just thinking of that makes you grossed out right like do you like the classes that are really chill and you're like you know on a bolster and you're just meditating you know yoga nidra does that really like turn you on think about the classes that you have to psych yourself up to get to but you're happy you did it when you left versus the classes that are easy to get to but they're just more of like it's just your vibe right? So we tend to want to do the things that we're attracted to, okay? So I want you to think about this. You don't have to think about this from your perspective. Just think about this from any perspective, okay? Especially as like if you teach yoga or if you, um, if you can just resonate with these ideas and thinking about working around children of particular, right? Because children have all this inner, children have it all. You can see it with them easy, right? You can see like all their, cause they just wear their energy on them. So it's really great. Us, us adults, we've learned to mask everything, right? We pretend we're happy all the time when we're not all of the things, but children really like show, show themselves. So I want you to think about you're coming into a yoga class setting, okay? It's outdoors. The weather is perfect, whatever that means for you. Maybe for some of you, there's a lake, there's a beach, there's mountain, there's maybe some of you like it cold. Whatever comes to mind is actually probably going to say a lot about your dosha, right? What you kind of lean into. But you're outdoors, so think about your outdoor scenario. And I want you to think about the idea of starting your practice in mountain pose. Just right away, you're in standing pose. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like you're going to have an energetic practice, a relaxing practice? What comes to mind? Now imagine that you start your practice with sun salutations. You do several rounds. It's this vigorous flow. What do you feel now? Are you feeling this excitement, these butterflies? You're, you know, remember, you're outside, you're by whatever scenario, scene you love, and you're just going through these sun sows. Does that sound great to you? Does it sound a little bit exhausting? And then you start to bring yourself down to a nice, gentle place. Eventually, you make it to Shavasana. You're relaxing. And now what comes up in your mind? Does that sound like a perfect practice for you? Right? Okay, now release that thought. Let it go. Now imagine you're walking into the most lovely studio. There's water features. You can hear the water. There's a fountain. There's wonderful lighting. Everything, the environment feels nice and comforting. Everything's soft. 
Everyone's calm, everyone's welcoming. It just feels so wonderful. You start the practice in Shavasana. You go through this lovely breathing exercise, this pradyam practice that lasts 10 to 15 minutes. How does that make you feel? Do you feel relaxed and calm and cool and collected? Do you feel bored or agitated or like you need to move around? Does it depend on what time of day it is? Now imagine just slowly moving through a gentle flow. Every pose is held for multiple breaths. You probably only get through 10 or 12 poses for the entire class. You end the way you started maybe with a little visualization practice or yoga nidra. You feel so relaxed. How does that make you feel? Now bring your awareness back to the present moment. Now I'm obviously talking to a very special ecosystem of yogis who probably enjoyed both of them and wish they were doing both of them one after the other or something like that, right? But what we tend to find is that both of those practices are lovely, right? And technically, we need both of those practices, but which one do you normally do? Now, if you're lucky, you might have a little bit of both weaved into one class, right? Maybe the class has a vinyasa element, but also has a relaxing element. But for most of us, we tend to push ourselves toward the thing that we really, really like, not the thing we really, really need. So, I think the homework and the challenge is how do we invite more of what we need and less of what we like to our lives more often, okay? So we're gonna do some asana, but this isn't gonna be a flow. This is gonna be going through poses one by one, and hopefully you don't feel out of sorts and out of balance after we do this because it's not gonna be really, uh, this isn't like a really sequenced thing, but I want you to feel what poses go with each dosha. And even if you are still like, I love my vinyasa flow, I love my ashtanga, or I love my arm balances, I don't care, I'm taking headstand every chance they give me, I'm doing it. I'm one of those people where I will take crow pose in like a yin class, right? <laughs> like if they give me the opportunity, like no opportunities needed. If everyone's in child's pose, I'm doing a little baby crow real quick. So I know that that's like something, you know, I like to take flight. I like to be in the air and the ether. So, if, and I know my students too. I know which one of my students are gonna go into like headstand if I even just mention it. They're like upside down, right? So like you can start to kind of notice yourself, but I want you to invite in, even if it's just one little pose or one little moment to contradict what you naturally gravitate to, right? I know when I teach yoga, I try really hard to convince my students to hang out in the pose I know they don't wanna be in. I'm like, just give it four breaths and then do your thing, right? So see if you can start to challenge yourself even. Like if you're itching to do the next thing, just say, okay, I'm not gonna do it. Or vice versa. The, the, move, the moment is calling for you to do something like um, a chaturanga or vinyasa flow and you're like, ugh. I'm doing knees, chest, chin, I'm skipping, I'm going straight to down dog. Maybe just do that one chaturanga, that class, right? Kind of getting out of that kapha zone. Before we move into the poses, 
Also, remember what time of day you like to practice your yoga. If you practice your yoga um, during kapha time, which is 6 to 10 a.m., if you practice during pitta time, 10 to 2, if you practice during um, 2 to 6, which is vata, or kapha again, like where do you normally practice? Are you an evening, morning? That might have something to do if your dosha, your practice, the time of year you're in. Like we're in pitta time in the summer right now. It's really hot. If you're also practicing between 10 and 2, you're practicing at pitta time. And then if you're also pitta dosha dominant, right? So if you're over there doing what's the, you like to do orange theory and stuff, right? So if you're like in the middle of the day doing like a competitive, like heart rate's pumping in the summer, can you imagine? And then you go and you eat some green chili. Like, like you might actually take your constitution out of alignment and you might bring on like exhaustion or bring on irritability or not be that fun to be around. So how can you just check yourself? Even if you did all that, how can you cool yourself down? How can you invite some kapha, some vata into your life, right? So it's just a matter, how do you bring in all those six tastes? It's not, it's not trying to not be yourself, but rather going, whoa, I've been myself all day. How can I, how can I like add in something else? Okay, so let's bring ourselves to all four. Let's do tabletop. And I'm just gonna walk you through it. Okay, so I want you from tabletop, take your time, you can arrive however you best like to arrive. Arrive to a standing posture of choice. And we're just gonna start with vata. What do vata doshas need? What do you need if you are a vata dosha or if you are in vata time? Vata time is 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's also during the autumn time going into winter, or it's your dosha. This is the air element. Vatas need calmness. So I want you to bring your energy to calmness, whatever that means for you. Just bring yourself to a calm place. I want you to bring yourself to a meditative state of mind, which could be hard for a vata dosha, Vata timing, Vata time of year. So sometimes when we're bringing ourselves to a calm, meditative, slow, grounding place, it's not going to be easy to do that if the mind wants to be creative. So maybe we don't do this from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Maybe this isn't the time to be calm and collective, but the time to be in the vata zone where we allow ourselves to be creative. And actually we're in vata time right now. <laughs> so if you find yourself feeling busy right now or your breath is not very calm, it's because we're in literal vata time. We should all be writing our novels right now. <laughs> All right, I want you to take a grounding posture of choice. This can be mountain pose. This can be a warrior pose. This can be a seated pose. Vatas usually love to be in some sort of 
ether, air variation. So see if you can find what's grounding for you during this Vata moment. Now see if you can still connect with your calmness, your meditative state. I'm going to ask you to figure out how to flow into a down dog from here, head below heart. We're gonna draw some blood to the mind. No matter where you're at, figure out how to make your flow into down dog. Remember, if you want to activate what Vata needs, right? This is more Kapha energy, which is what Vata needs. You're going to calm your movements. Slowly walk your toes to meet your hands. Nice and calm and gentle. No rush. Take your time. Fold forward. Bend your knees. Don't try to touch your toes. If you are trying to balance vata energy, if you want to bring out more creativity in the mind, try to not be competitive in the body, even with yourself. Slowly rise, take your time. Let the head come up last. Let the blood restore back to the body and reground your energy. Maybe it's tadasana, maybe it's some other pose. If you took a warrior pose on one side, feel free to take it on the other side here. So we are taking the elements of kapha energy, slow, restorative, mindful, meditative movement, and we're balancing vata energy. So if your dosha is vata, take more of this energy to calm yourself, and then you can go into your normal, natural, like attracts like. Or if you're in Vata timing and you wanna activate that creativity, you're gonna borrow from the Kapha energy. All right, we're gonna move into what does Pitta need. Pitta is that powerful, fiery energy. Pitta time is from 10 to two, right? And again, from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Pitta energy typically like wants to go through a stringent vinyasa, powerful, power-moving, core-inducing, competitive flow. So instead, we're going to do more vata, airy stuff to balance pitta. So we want some cooling poses. So first, let's just breathe through a straw. So pretend you're sucking through a straw and invite coolness into your body here. We're gonna do just a cool straw breath work pradyam practice. Pitta needs a lot of cooling energy. So this is where you don't want ujjayi breath work or any real intense breath work if you wanna really balance your pitta energy. We want more airy, light, flighty stuff. So I'm going to invite you to do a gentle flow, right? Not competitive, not with yourself, not with others. You're gonna slowly inhale your hands up overhead. You're gonna swan dive down like a bird, inviting that vata energy into your pitta life. Half lift, 
fall forward, you're going to step into a plank. You're going to drop your knees immediately onto the mat. Yeah. I want you to go into a child's pose and slowly roll up. Take your time arriving. Inhale your hands overhead and draw your hands to your heart. Find a gentle meditative state by tucking your chin into your chest. Take a moment here and just offer yourself love and gratitude, something that Pitta energy doesn't typically do. Pitta energy is not very inward, it's mostly outward. So if you just want to become more introspective and activate that opposition, that would be enough. Just pulling your breath and taking a moment of self-reflection. Begin to walk your hands behind you and lift your heart. Very Vata energy for heart openers here. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be competitive with self when the heart is illuminating. Yes. And then slowly roll your feet around in front of you and draw the bottoms of your feet together. Bring your hands atop of your knees and just move your body and stir the pot, move your head, release the water into your body. Both directions when you're ready. And then we're gonna activate Vata and Pitta at the same time. A nice little powerful pose, but also balancing. So we're gonna come back into all four. We're gonna go into songbird, or I feel like most people refer to this pose that way, right? I like to call it tiger pose too. Shift your weight from into your, let me, let me start all over, from your tabletop. <laughs> We're gonna slowly shift our weight into our left hand and draw our right hand forward. Keep your eyes toward the earth for some kapha energy here. And then shift your left foot behind you and keep your toes tucked. Take a moment here and just balance your energy with kapha. And then take your eyes forward and let's activate vata energy. Go into the air, ether element. Lift that back foot and let's join it. Now we're engaging pitta energy by activating our core. Now notice your breath and notice if you are getting hot and slowly bring in some cooling element. Yes, wonderful. One more round. And then we're gonna slowly release the body. We're gonna activate the water in Pitta and the water in Kapha by just moving the body like water, whatever that means for you. Yeah. Now you can see why yoga asana practice with meditation and pratyama linked in can be so advantageous, especially if you can add in all the elements. We're gonna slowly bring ourselves back to tabletop. We're gonna get into this one a little bit different so you can see the difference. Go ahead and take your eyes forward and activate Vata right away. You're gonna notice a balance challenge. Shift your weight into your right hand and let your foot and hand rise at the same time. Activating that Vata energy, kind of feeling that warrior three energy and then activating Pitta. You're gonna feel the fire in your belly here. Start to cool it down with your breath. Notice if it's harder for you to maintain the pose or your thoughts. No judgment, just noticing. One more round. 
and then release. Go ahead and move the body intuitively. Yeah. And then I want you to take a gentle child's pose or if that's not a pose that relaxes you, take a relaxing pose of choice, something like child's pose. Take a moment here and I want you to think about what we just did and then we'll go into kapha. So what we did is instead of thinking about the doshas, we thought about the elements, okay? We thought about air, fire, water, earth. And the meditation can bring us to ether. So instead of thinking about doshas in a way that's confusing, vata, pitta, kapha, think about the elements. And every time you do a yoga pose, see if you can activate a new element. Even if it's just one pose in that entire class that you can focus on all the elements in. We're going to do it with kapha here. Now, kapha loves to be in child's pose. <laughs> so that's why we're starting here. Loves those restorative, self-reflective, in introspective poses. But what we want with kapha, whether you are kapha dosha dominant, or you're in kapha time, or kapha season, we want to activate the opposites. Remember, the opposites heal. Like attracts like, but like attracting like burns us out. So we want to stir in a little bit of that opposition, that polarization. So kapha time is from 6 to 10 p.m. A lot of us practice our yoga in the evening, and this is why you see a lot of vinyasa flows in the evening during kapha time. It's also why it's so hard to make it to class, but once you do, you feel so good about it. Kapha time is also from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., another time where you see people doing more strenuous activity and why it's so healthy for the body and the mind, even though it's so hard to do. After a long day of work, it's hard to do something very vigorous, and after a long, gentle night of rest, it's hard to wake up and do something vigorous, but you can see why we need to in Kapha time. We have very slow digestive tracks during Kapha time, so we want to stir up the Pitta, that Anji, that fire in the belly. So from here, we're gonna do a little bit of a faster flow, nothing crazy for today. Make your way to tabletop. Take your time, make your way to down dog. This time I'm going to invite you to lift your right leg in the sky, draw it in between your hands. Find a low lunge, hang out here for just a moment. Okay. Go ahead and find a crescent or warrior one. Any variations of choices here? Okay, activating some of that Pitta energy here. Bring your hands to your heart center. Draw your chin into your chest. Create a bit of a balance challenge here, activating a little bit of Vata energy. Draw your hands to the mat. Go ahead and take a Vinyasa flow, Chaturanga, knees, chest, chin. Don't go straight to down dog. Hang out in down dog and activate Ujjayi breath. Although 
it might feel like a little bit strenuous because it's so hot in here where it pit that energy. Left leg in the sky, in between the hands, take it on this side, whatever you did on the other, do on this side. We're just taking it on the opposite side here. Take a moment, notice your breath. Bring your hands to your heart center, tuck your chin into chest, make this a bit of a balance challenge. Activate vata energy or air element. Bring your hands down to the mat. This time walk your back foot to meet your front foot and find Ukatasana, chair pose. Take your time floating up, do whatever you want with your arms. Yes. Check in with your body here. Let's activate vata energy or air element. Shift your weight on your heels and lift your toes. Shift your weight towards your toes. Option to lift your heels. Exhale your heels down. Slowly rise all the way up. Lengthen. Take a gentle heart opener. Vata energy here. Air energy. Breathe through your belly button. And swan dive all the way down. Nice and calm. Gentle kapha energy here. Half lift. Fold forward, bend at the knees, reverse sweep all the way back, up, 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 up. Hands back to your heart center, Tadasana, mountain pose, ground your energy, Vata energy here. Find your breath. You're going to step your right foot back, both toes are pointing forward. Bring your hands to your hips for a little balance. Go ahead and bring that earth energy in. We're going to shift off, the, off of the back toes. Let me make sure I'm guiding us correctly. Shift off of the back toes so that you're into your front foot and then slowly lift the back toes off of the mat. Just a little gentle warrior three here. Bring your hands forward and then you can take any variation. You can lean into this deeper, activating both vata and pitta energy or you can stay a little bit floating toward the sky with mostly vata energy here. Air energy. We should be in our air and our fire now. Shift your hands behind you, lift your heart, activate a little bit more air energy. Go ahead and drop that back leg, inhale, hands up overhead. Take a heart opener, air energy. Inhale through your belly button, pitta. Nice fire, exhale, swan dive. Air energy with a little kapha, half lift. Bend the knees, reverse sweep all the way back up. Hands to your heart center, ground our energy. Earth energy, but also Vata, right? Because we are upright. Air and earth here. We're going to step the opposite foot forward or back, whichever makes most sense because I'm lost. <laughs> and this time, let's bring our hands to our heart center and let's get rid of that balance, right? We're going to go right into Vata energy. So shift off of the back foot and float into your front standing leg. And you're gonna feel that connection with being disoriented from the earth element. We're way into the air element here. You probably bypassed fire. You're gonna feel the fire coming as you find your stability and you're gonna feel the earth element coming back as you find your stability. Yes, yes. Go ahead and let the legs come back together. Bend at the knees, take Ukatasana, chair pose, release your hands from each other, draw them down by your side, behind your back, and interlace them, lift your heart. And now we have what could be earth energy, air energy, a little bit of fire. Yeah? 
Fold forward, let's add some water energy into the body here. Let the blood rush to the head, release the hands. Come into all four and find a child's pose. Take a moment here. Ah, <sighs> yeah. And we are right on schedule somehow. Yay. <laughs> okay, as you're in child's pose or some sort of resting pose of choice, right? If this doesn't feel good for you, you don't have to do it. I'm just going to recap today's lesson before we go into a mindful practice. Remembering that Ayurveda is the mother of medicine and yoga is the sister of Ayurveda, right? Ayurveda is a proactive approach. It's a self-evaluation self that you have to continuously be mindful of, okay? You don't want to make it complicated, so a good way to simplify and add this balance into your world is to think of it with the elements. And let's redo it with our hands. Let's bring our dominant hand to our least dominant hand. And let's rub on the thumb and activate the fire element. Remembering that fire represents heat, represents competition, passion, connection, could even represent love, but also anger, contentment. You can also feel burnout. Whether your dosha is pitta or not, we all experience pitta in our world throughout the time of the day, seasons of the year. Sometimes when our bodies are just hot from temperature, we're in pitta energy. We need to cool ourselves down, drink something cooling, cool the skin. This isn't a time to oil up the skin, right? And make it even hotter, not a time to eat chili peppers. This is also a state of mind. Noticing if you're fiery at the mouth, good or bad. If you need the energy, if you need that connection, if you need the fire, you can invite it to your life as well. You can activate your core and activate Pitta energy. You can activate certain Pratyang practices and activate Pitta energy. If you're feeling a little sluggish, you can activate Pitta energy. Bring your awareness to your index finger and let's activate the air elements. Remembering that this is where your thoughts live, creativity, vata energy. It's also where wind and breeze or tornadoes, too much flightiness, too much on the go, not enough calm and relaxation. We want to balance that energy by just taking it down a notch, slowing down, comfort food, hugs, warmness, liquids, fluid, moving the body like water, adding that element, earth, water, elements to your life, even just taking mountain pose. Bring your awareness to your middle finger. This is ether, space. 
I like to think of this as like your spirituality, your belief systems, your connection to thinking outside of the box, how connected you are to your own systems, how dogmatic you might be. We want to balance that energy as well. Bringing your awareness to your ring finger, activating the earth element. Remembering that the earth can dry out if there's not enough water, so we don't want to just be completely grounded all the time. We want to get up into flight, right? We want to activate creativity. We want to activate that fire energy. We don't want just the earth, but we don't want too much of anything else either. We want balance. How do you balance out your earth energy? You bring in water, bring in fire, bring in air. And then bring your awareness to your pinky, your little finger, water element. Water is just going with the flow, you know? Maybe we're too emotional, not emotional enough sometimes, just depending on where we're at on the spectrum. Kind of checking in with yourself, grounding your energy. Maybe adding some creativity, some passion, some thoughts. Maybe if you're always in your open heart space, taking time to think more about situations and thinking about solutions. Just looking for the polar opposite. If you find yourself being really emotional one day, maybe take time to read a book. Get into your other part of self. Go ahead and interlace your hands and flip your palms up to the sky and stretch those fingers. Release your hands by your side. Interlace them behind you. Tuck your chin into chest and stretch out your neck. And then we're going to take a moment if you are online and you have something that you can munch on. <laughs> We're going to do just a little mindful eating practice here. So we have, oh, we have a perfect amount. I'm going to give everyone, because this, this practice was meant to be with raisins. But if you don't like raisins, I have other stuff. So I'm just going to give everybody one of each and then you just can snack on other stuff later. How about that? Does that sound good? So I'm going to bring my laptop close by you so, so that you can be heard. Okay, take it over. 
Okay, so before we uh, get started with really eating our raisins or our nuts, whatever you choose to eat today, um, I just want to have us one more time. I know we're really grounded, but just come into the present moment. So you can close your eyes if that feels good. One more time for today. And just take a couple of breaths. Recenter after our excitement of getting our food passed out to us. And feel the air in the room. Hear the sounds around you. Feel the way the ground below you supports you the way your breath feels, just really tuning into all of the sensations that you're experiencing. And now if you can, try to recall a vivid memory where you experienced something for the very first time, where you're really taking things in through all of your senses with a curious mindset, excited mindset. Maybe this was your first time in a yoga class, maybe a visit to a new place, perhaps a time you tried a new food. Whatever you're calling forward, just consider it. Think about how you were fully in that moment. Recalling sights, sounds, smells, tastes, the way you felt in your body. In that moment, all of the details and the sensations of the novelty or newness that you can remember. Think of this today as our beginner's mind, bringing a simple curiosity to whatever you're about to experience, cultivating a mind that's less fill filled with fearful thoughts about the future or unhappy thoughts about the past. And keep this feeling of conscious awareness and your beginner's mind as we move into our raisin or nut meditation whichever you prefer today. You can gently open your eyes and start to get your feet out. One for now. <laughs> to pick up your raisin or your nut and you're just going to look closely at the object in your hand. Taking your time, notice its shape, its color, its texture, how the light reflects off its wrinkled surface or where it's absorbed or if it's smooth and the light just illuminates that. Observing your raisin or your nut from different angles as if you were a scientist, studying it with intense curiosity. Look at every tiny detail of this particular raisin or nut. And 
Now picking it up, move it gently between your fingers. Is it soft and spongy? Is it hard? Does it feel rough or smooth or sticky to the touch? Notice every aspect of your experience of touching this raisin or this nut or other item if you're at home. And now bringing the raisin or the nut very close to your ear, you'll roll the raisin between your fingers or the nut between your fingers. Listen carefully. What do you hear? Crackling, popping, kind of scratchy, dry sound. If you notice now that your mind's having thoughts like, this is really weird, or what does listening to a raisin or a nut have to do with eating it and being in the moment? Just notice those thoughts and let them go, gently shifting your attention back to noticing the sound that your raisin or your nut is making. Now bringing the raisin or the nut to your nose, smell it. Taking your time, breathing in deeply. In this very moment, what is your experience of smelling a raisin or smelling a nut? Notice if you can smell the odor from the raisin or the nut more clearly through one nostril than the other. If you become aware of thoughts, once again, just notice them and let them go bringing your attention back to smelling the raisin or the nut right here, right now, in this very moment. And now looking at the raisin once again, very slowly, bringing the raisin to your lips. Feel your arm move as your hand approaches. Notice how it knows exactly how to move the food to your mouth. As you see the raisin coming closer, pay close attention to what is happening inside your mouth. Are you beginning to have saliva? Preparation for eating. Are we getting hungry? When the raisin reaches your lips, closing your eyes, devoting your complete attention to the sensations at your lips. And when you're ready, allowing your tongue to take the raisin from your lips into your mouth without beginning to chew. Noticing how the tongue knows exactly what to do with the raisin. Now allow it to position the raisin between your teeth, noticing if it goes to one side automatically or the other. And being aware in this moment of any emotions that might be arising for you, perhaps impatience desire, anticipation, resistance, or worry. Observing these emotions, acknowledge their presence, and then gently shift your attention back to the sensations in your mouth. And when you're ready, I invite you to bite down on the raisin, or the nut. Taste the flavor bursting onto your tongue, now very, very slowly, chew the raisin or the nut. Chewing, tasting, chewing, tasting.
and when you're ready, begin to swallow. Can you feel the raisin or the nut moving down your throat? Can you be aware of how many times you have to swallow to eat one raisin or one nut? And now noticing how the tongue moves into the crevices of the teeth, seeking out all the tiny pieces left over of the food. And noticing how the taste in your mouth is different now than before you bit into the raisin. Being fully aware of this process of eating a raisin or eating a nut. Sometimes we can use our mindfulness in this very focused way, using all of our senses to observe every detail of our experience. And sometimes we can widen the lens of mindfulness so that our awareness expands to take in the bigger picture. And we nurture both of these aspects of awareness as we practice. So, if you'll take a moment to pick up another raisin or nut, or if you want to switch, feel free to do that as well. We're going to expand our lid. So, picking up another raisin or a nut, or switching to whichever one you didn't do before, you bring your beginner's mind back to this experience. After all, it's a completely new raisin or nut. Looking carefully, see if you can find the stem end of this raisin, its belly button, or a place on a nut where it was once connected to a tree. And in this moment, take time to reflect on this part of the piece of food you're looking at, because it can tell you a lot. It can tell you that at one time, the raisin was attached to something larger than itself, to a vine or the almond to a tree or whatever nut. And that vine or tree was nourished by the soil it grew in and by the sun and the rain. The vine or the tree and the grapes or nuts that grew on it experienced wind, cold, and warmth. At night, the moon and stars gazed down on it, as did the sun by day. And when it reached a certain size, it was picked by people, workers who had parents and perhaps children of their own, who had hopes and dreams and challenges in their lives, who were perhaps born in another country, whose first language may or may not have been English. They picked this grape or this nut and helped it through the process that transformed it into what you're holding today. It may have been packaged in a box or stored in a bulk container. Either way, human energy was used to move it onto a truck, a truck that was the result of the labor of hundreds, perhaps thousands of people. And a person drove this truck using energy from the earth, from oil and gasoline that may have come from the far side of the planet may have come from New Mexico, to transport the raisin or the nut to the market. And when the truck arrived at its destination, more human beings expended energy to unload the raisins or nuts and carry them in their box or container to a shelf or a bin. 
And then someone came along and picked it up and carried it out of the store. And there the cashier at the register used more energy from the earth, this time in the form of electricity, to calculate the price for this raisin or this nut and all the other raisins or nuts that came along with it in its package. And now those raisins were brought here and they're with you. This unique raisin or this unique nut that has had quite a remarkable journey to arrive here in your hand at this moment. And when we slow down and look deeply at the raisin or nut, we can see that perhaps what a few minutes ago was just an ordinary raisin or an ordinary nut is not so ordinary after all. By expanding our awareness, we can actually see the earth and sun and stars and clouds and rain and oil and gas and electricity and all the people who played a part in bringing this raisin or this nut into our hand. Paying attention, looking deeply, we can see the entire web of life itself. A vast interconnectedness that includes the raisin or the nut, ourselves, our friends, our families, our community here. In this very moment, we are holding the entire universe right here in our hand. Now returning, from this wide-angle view to the more concentrated focus we used before, eat this raisin or this nut as you did the first one, slowly bringing concentrated attention to seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling, and tasting the raisin or the nut. If thoughts or emotions arise, just notice them, let them go. Return to the sensations of eating the raisin or the nut. Perhaps you're experiencing a deeper understanding of and appreciation for the existence of the raisin or the nut, including all the many causes and conditions that led to its being right here, right now. Once you've finished chewing and swallowing the raisin or the nut, take a moment to look deeply once again. Reflect on the fact that your body, right in this moment, is two raisins, or two nuts, one of each heavier than it was before. And consider that the raisin or the nut you've just eaten is in this moment undergoing another transformation this time inside your body. It's actually becoming a part of your body and nourishing you. Consider that raisins, if you eat raisins, have a lot of iron in them, a mineral that comes from the earth and is critical to our body's production of red blood cells, which carry oxygen to every cell and organ in our body. Consider if you ate any nuts, the protein there that supports the development and health of our muscles. By slowing down and looking deeply at our raisin or our, our nut, 
we can see how this small object that we've just eaten, with all its countless interconnected interconnections to the larger universe, has directly contributed to our own health and well-being. Take a moment now to close out from our mindful eating. Just send gratitude to the raisins or the nuts that you ate and all of the elements that brought it to you today. And some gratitude to yourself for slowing down and mindfully enjoying the process of eating your raisin or nut. Thank you all for letting me guide you through this. brain would have believed it. It was really neat. I never thought about a raisin the way I just did, by the way. <laughs> yeah. like, like, raisin is just kind of sweet, whatever. Yeah. But I was like, oh, it's sweet. Oh, wait. It's like sour and pungent now. That's pungent. Like, right. Yeah. I was like, I've never looked at a raisin that way before. I know. I didn't have raisins, but I had a cranberry in here that kind of had the same effect. And I thought the same thing. I was like, ooh, three of the tastes are right here, right now. And I didn't think of pungent for whatever reason. At the beginning, I was like, oh, raisins are actually pungent. It's like in my head. I, I love that. I love that. starting off with thinking about a time or an experience before yeah because I was like I had a few that were kept coming and like competing in my mind but I was like I should do this every day that I can just you know imagine how it would shift yeah your entire relationship with food and eating yeah so like, and it's actually it's huge and ayurveda yes you sit down you turn everything off yes. around you and you focus on Yes. And it's really crazy how we rarely, rarely do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Like the mindful approach, it's just... Of eating, of doing anything. Yeah. Just like our breath work. Yeah. But gosh, even just memories, thinking of... That was so... That was great. Or even just doing asana, doing everything mindfully. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but... One nut at a time. <laughs> 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 That's 
it came from a book about mindful birthing that I was reading while I was oh my pregnant gosh. because that was the whole thing was like taking every contraction that way and oh. taking every moment as like one thing at a time. Wow. So how about you, Miss Misa? Anything come up for you? <laughs> okay, lovelies, we are going to end today's session. Sending lots of love. much for listening to yoga podcast created in 2018 did you know that you can listen to hundreds of free audio yoga classes dedicated to meditation mindfulness practices and of course asana as well as tons of amazing information for your personal and sacred practice on and off of the mat check out today's show notes for a link to my website lovebreezybreeyoga.com You will also find a link to iloveyogatherapy.org, a new online resource center for yoga therapy and somatic healing practices and techniques. You will find a ton of information, videos and articles and case studies if you are interested in learning more about yoga therapy and Ayurvedic practices. Thank you so much for listening. Go in peace. Namaste.